Could um, someone at the back of the room close the door? So this morning we're going to um, open the territory of the so-called neutral person. Uh, I guess neutral people could have a range. Sometimes we use the phrase friendly stranger. And then maybe there's the neutral person that initially gives you, you know, some kind of Impression. I find it's actually difficult for me to find someone who's truly neutral because the mind is so quick to form judgments just based on, you know, that person's socks or some irrelevant thing. Uh, So we're looking for somebody when we say neutral that maybe you don't know, maybe it's somebody in a workplace that you know them by face but not my name, or someone who lives on your street. I live on a street with a dog park, so there's lots of neutral strangers, the people that I see often, but I don't know them. Um, it can be really fun to use someone else on the retreat. You all see each other, but you may or may not know each other. Um, I did a, a two-month retreat, and I spent six weeks of that doing the metta practice, and uh, had quite a lovely time with the benefactor, and then I was working with a dear friend, and I worked with a range of dear friends, had a lot of purification around a friend that where there had been some conflict. That was uh, challenging, but healing. And then when I got to the neutral person, I just found myself easily distractible. I just, it was, it was like I couldn't care, like to exert the effort to be present with this person. Uh, so it was a lot of like fatigue and distraction and mind wandering. And then as it began to kind of cook a little bit, I noticed that I have streams of xenophobia. I grew up in Alabama in the 70s and 80s as a person who was often perceived as a foreigner. And so my own, I have this kind of wariness of strangers that ironically is based on xenophobia that I encountered growing up. It was a very powerful thing for me to realize that, that for me there actually isn't really a neutral person because people I don't know have a default valence of sort of like unpleasant or I'm wary of them or they actually cause me some difficulty. So for me, working actually with someone else on the retreat was helpful because uh, there's kind of a default assumption about we're all good people because we're engaged in this endeavor. So there is a sense of a path of practice. There is a wholesome aspiration to balance our metta so that it can flow freely in all directions to all beings so we can be the monk in the cave who can't discern, can't value any being more than another. Uh, And it's also good to stay where it's not too challenging. So maybe um, a strong encouragement to explore the neutral person or the friendly stranger, but maybe it could be two-thirds the way we've been practicing benefactor, friend, self, and one-third neutral. You can kind of find your, your own way with that and just to, to be steady. You know, like it was quite difficult for me to feel anything with the neutral person. But when I did, uh, it was amazing. And the, ne- the neutral person I had picked is someone who works in a store that I used to frequent. 
and you know I've said hello, good morning. That's probably about it. And when I got home after the retreat, I went to that store and I saw this person and I wanted to hug them, <laughs> which would have been completely inappropriate. <laughs> but it was just it was there, you know, like that that stranger became a kind of beloved. So we'll just practice mostly in silence, taking a moment to check in with the body, find a place of steadiness. And then rousing the image or felt sense of the benefactor or the easy person, or self if you wish. And then inclining the mind towards metta, however seems most productive, using the phrases or the sense of the radiant heart.
Maybe as this image or felt sense comes more clear, you can check in to see how you're relating to this person, this being. And then offering them praises including them in your field of the radiant heart.
You can add a little juice to the practice by reflecting that this person has many good qualities, even though we may not know what they are. This person is loved or has been loved by other people. perhaps loves and cares for other people. And just like all of us, this person just wants to be happy, have a sense of well-being.
So a couple of announcements. Um, we have practice discussion meetings again today, one-on-one. -on -one. Check your name on the board. It's helpful if you're there a couple of minutes early. And you can come right into the room when the person before you leaves. If your meeting is right after a break, you can come right in the room. <clears throat> Ten minutes goes by pretty fast. So some of you yesterday came in with um, notes. That was actually very helpful to be efficient. Um, and we'll kind of co-manage the time. You'll be able to see the clock so we can uh, work collaboratively to maximize our time together. And then uh, COVID tests, I'm supposed to read this announcement. Uh, we will all take a mandatory second COVID test this morning. These instructions have been posted on the Meditation Hall bulletin board in the foyer. Spirit Rock staff will leave a basket with testing materials on the first floor of each dorm building. Please only take one test there are only enough for each person to take one test. Using the instructions provided with the test, take the test in your room. If your test is positive, please go directly to the retreat office and speak with a retreat coordinator. Yeah, it doesn't say that, but you should wear a mask. <laughs> please go directly to the retreat office, masked, and speak with a retreat coordinator. If the result is negative, please bring your test results with you to lunch or stop by the retreat office and show staff your negative test. If you bring your test to the dining hall, our retreat coordinator will, will verify your results and check you off the list before you go in for lunch. So basically, the negative test is your lunch ticket. No negative test, no lunch. If you need any assistance taking your test, please go to the retreat office and a retreat coordinator can assist you. If everyone tests negative, we will post a sign on the meditation hall bulletin board this afternoon. Um, the teachers have all tested negative. Oh, we had one written question that I thought I would... Um... Oh yeah, go ahead. Um, one further announcement. Um, many of you uh, know that we were uh, planning to have Sylvia Borstein come, actually, today. And uh, I've been speaking with her the last few days, and unfortunately, she's not going to be able to come. Um, we will try to bring in her spirit and even some of her stories, but um, um, the short background is that um, about, probably about um, 10 or 12 days ago, she came down with COVID. And um, to go to where we are now, she's fine. But what happened was that she um, took Paxlovid, or that was recommended to her, and she had one of the rare, um, really severe side effects from the Paxlovid. Uh, and she actually was only really okay as of yesterday. It was fairly severe, but she needs more time to recuperate. And so we can actually bring, bring that to, to Sylvia. Again, many of us know her or know of her. And again, we'll, we'll bring in her spirit. And she gave me some special stories, which I make today. <laughs> okay. Okay. Okay, thanks. So one question we got in writing was a question about the relationship between metta and romantic or erotic love. And... Uh, you know, the Buddha mostly taught to monastics, so romantic love was kind of off the table. And also, when the Buddha taught metta, there's only one, there's one sutta I'm aware of where um, 
Sariputra, his, one of his foremost disciples, was kind of teaching a categorized version of metta, but for the most part, metta is radiating. So the topic of who's in the field doesn't really come up because everyone is in the field. Um, the text that gave us the most, the more specific instructions on working with categories of people, the Sudhimaga, um, has a blanket statement that one should not practice metta for people of the opposite sex. And, you know, it fe- feels to me a little bit overbroad and um, maybe outdated. <laughs> but that's the orthodoxy. Um, and there is a story in there about a, a, a layman who is practicing metta for his wife. And uh, I guess they were in different rooms, and uh, he got so excited that um, he was beating down the door to her room. <laughs> so that was the counsel against that. <clears throat> I think um, we can really thoughtfully consider how we bring a quality of metta to those relationships. You know, one of the, one of the quite often romantic relationships have, um, well, there can be a compulsive quality to sexual energy, a craving, you know, we use the word lust to describe desire in general. Um, But that also, what would it be to bring a quality of a metta heart to those relationships? How it would enrich them, you know, metta in its purest form as a kind of unattached, undiscriminating field of love. Um, I think enhances all relationships, kind of without question. I don't know if anybody else has anything to offer on that topic. How much time do we have? <laughs> <laughs> About three minutes. <laughs> So maybe we'll just end there and I just want to say, you know, this is the heart of the retreat. The energy in the room now is quite different than it was on the first day. There's a lot of momentum that happens when you commit to, you know, days of continuous practice. And uh, um, one thing I experience sometimes is that, you know, practice comes in a kind of pendulation and feels like I'm really settled in and then agitation arises or and sometimes I have the sense that you know it's like we're moving through layers the superficial agitations of daily life begin to sort of fade away after the first few days and then we're getting to more subtle energies but because we're more dropped in they can be loud and disturbing maybe to just have faith that there's um a larger intelligence that's at play, that uh, sort of ineffable. Um, I have a great faith that what comes up for us on retreat is really the the best curriculum for us. And um, good time to recommit, to um, use your effort wisely, so not efforting to get to some particular state or have something arise, but really um, cultivating a continuity of practice. This is a good time to see if you can sit for every sit, walk for every walking period, cultivate more sense of practice and spaces in between. Um, Keep going. (laughs) Thank you, everyone. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.